welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and today's guest might be my literal hero? Former artistic director of UCB, co-creator of Characters Welcome, co-founder of the Squirrel Theater, and casual Broadway star, please welcome to the mic, Michael Hartney! Ryan, that was the nicest intro anyone's ever done for me. Welcome to Why Are You Like This? Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. How are you, babe? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I voted this morning. I voted Saturday. I did an early vote on Saturday. You know, I probably should have, considering I still don't quite get ranked choice voting. It feels like the circle, but with like actual ramifications. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what was your go- what was your like website of choice where you assessed your candidates? Uh, Twitter, which great. is healthy. Great, great <laughs> website. Great website. Oh, has only has only existed for good. It turns out, so that's good. Only for good. Only Twitter, for good. the website for good. For good. <laughs> for pure altruism it is funny because i i can't quit twitter um and every time an election comes around specifically i realize like how much of a just like vacuum of information i've created like if it were up to my current twitter feed i know exactly who would win like it just wouldn't change in any time like according to my twitter cynthia nixon is the governor of new york you know what i mean oh mm-hmm. yeah She's done a great job. A uh, lot of lot of very accurate nursing home data. So that went really well. <laughs> you got to vote for one of the Sex and the City girls at some point in your life, or have you even lived in oh New York? Oh my God, are you kidding me? Kristen Davis for Comptroller, bitch. <laughs> you know, the way she yells no in Sex and the City movie one um, could have won an award. Oh my God. I'm surprised it didn't. Also, best title, Sex and the City movie one. Sex and the City movie won. <laughs> Should have won more awards for that title. Should have. Uh, you know, we can retroactively put it in for title awards. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. I think we should do just retro awards just in general, because, like, movies have aged differently. Mm-hmm. Like, there's movies we appreciate now that we did not then, and there's also movies that were over-rewarded then that we are like, oh, this movie is trash now. So I think we should, like, have a, some sort of recalibration Oscars. It's like an in-between of the Oscars and the Razzies. Exactly, yes. That's our award show. Right in the middle. Do you have a, um, like, a comedy movie that comes to mind that was hilarious to you as a kid, but you definitely can't watch now? Oh, man. Um... I still like a lot of them. There's just, it's not an entire movie I can't watch, but like you wouldn't believe what they say in some of these movies. Like Adventures in Babysitting is one of my favorite comedies from the 80s. And, you know, there's this whole bit where Brad uh, is calling his sister's hero, Thor, a homo. So they say homo, they call, they say homo so many times, like in Teen Wolf uh, styles, <laughs> just to, to Michael J. Fox is like, hey, you're going through some changes. You're not a fag, are you? And he's like, no, no, I'm not a fag. It's like, yikes. I really enjoy this werewolf movie other than these two seconds. And then. Yeah, well, and according to Twitter, those two seconds mean that movie is trash. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much canceled. I um, 
I know that the Austin Powers movies were really formative to me and I just like don't want to revisit them because I'm sure I would be like, oh no. Oh. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot. I mean, I mean, Ryan, fuck you and fuck me. Not yeah, great. You're not, not great. great. Not Do you keep great. hearing these texts I keep getting? <laughs> Do you hear these chimes? It's so annoying. I don't. Oh, good. I'm glad, All that, right, you're, great. I'm glad that you're popular. I'm, I'm popular with exactly one person who has texted me 15 times in a row without a response. And it's, uh, it's Andrew Yang, isn't it? It's Andrew Yang. He's really making a very, I would call it a, an extremely last minute push. Yeah, definitely really wait until the last second, just like me at Christmas time, but he's going to pull through. Ugh, I really hope, I hope not. I really I hope, hope not. That was a horrible thing that came out of my mouth. I hope we find out that he just absolutely tanks and eats shit and that an actual cool progressive candidate will be the candidate. I agree. So, Michael, where did you grow up? I grew up in Buffalo, New York, Ryan. Where did you grow Ooh. up? Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Cool. I yeah. wish I'd ever been, and I have never been. It's a city where young people go to retire. That's like our tagline. <laughs> yeah, uh, great. <laughs> um, I really liked it. I mean, I, I, I brag about Oregon a lot. I do think it's one of the prettiest places I've ever been and uh, can't really complain about my childhood in any way that doesn't sound privileged. Um, sure. So yeah, it was a good time. It was a good state to grow up in. My parents are originally from Rhode Island, and that's where I was born. So I've kind of started traveling the country and where I live from like five. You've seen life from both coasts. Oh, yes. I've seen the world from both sides now. Thank you for knowing what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think today is uh, an anniversary of Joni Mitchell's. So... Oh, well, perfect. I didn't even know that. Look at you. But my body somehow knew. Yeah, I mean, the the folky ladies live within us at all times. <laughs> How was Buffalo? You know what? Buffalo's kind of great. Um, first of all, I think that Buffalo will continue to ascend to be one of the most important and sought-after cities in the country once um, fresh water becomes a problem and coastal flooding becomes a mm. big old problem. Um, all these Great Lakes cities mm -hmm. are going to be, I don't know, our new like Gold Coast, I think. And Buffalo was, A, like a pretty cool place to grow up. I mean, I say that, obviously, from a place of immense privilege. Uh, Buffalo is also one of the most segregated cities in the country. Um, and I, when I moved to New York... As I was moving to New York, I was like, just in time, because this town is dead. It's deceased. But in the intervening years, every time I've come back to visit, there's new stuff to do. There's new investing in, you know, public spaces and activities. And, um, and, and it's such a food town. And it's really kind of come up and come back in a cool way. So, um, so yeah, I, I think Buffalo is pretty great. Have you ever seen a live Buffalo? I have nowhere near Buffalo, New York, however, hmm. um, false advertising. Well, turns out that Buffalo is a mistranslation of Beaufleuve, which means beautiful river. Just a cool <gasps> thing about my hometown that I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've also been out west uh, to Yellowstone and such, and uh, I've seen some buffalo, and they're beautiful and terrifying. Yeah, as, you know, most large things are. Yeah. Beautiful and terrifying. It's true. Uh, The moon, for example. The moon is so scary. It's so big. When it's like low in the sky and it's huge, I'm like, no, uh, I'm not about this life. When people are like, go look at the moon. It's red. I'm like, have you not seen a single movie? Yeah. That's. <laughs> are you familiar with stories? This is bad. <laughs> this is bad. This is not good. Yeah. They're like, no, it's so pretty. Use your iPhone. It'll take a photo of it and look just like it. I'm not looking at no red ass moon. No red moons for me. When you moved from Buffalo to New York City, did you have dreams to be the um, famous comedian you are today? Um, (laughs) I think I had dreams to be an actual famous comedian. And um, what has happened is, uh, you know, I would would say short of that, for sure. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I definitely moved to New York to do comedy. I was going to move to Chicago to do comedy and then sort of a last minute push from um, the department chair of my theater department in, um, in Buffalo uh, was like, Oh, there's, there's good stuff happening in New York. You should go. So that's what I did. I never did the UCB thing. Can you give me a brief idea of what that uh, was like? The UCB thing. Sure. Um, I started taking classes there in 2003 um, and for a very long time, it felt like an, uh, an extremely insular, you know, in crowd, uh, clicky thing, uh, that I had no control over, but what I did have control over is just like the work and the, and the, the knowledge. Um, so just like trying to do as good a job in class as possible, um, And, you know, I felt like an outsider for years and years and years and years. And it's only when they introduced sketch house teams to the theater that I suddenly felt like, oh, well, that's actually what I do. Like, improv is a fun thing I'm learning. Sketch is like who I am, if that (laughs) doesn't sound so insufferable. I realize that it does. But, um, But then once I auditioned for the house sketch teams um got on and started having good shows it was like oh just a bunch of people have to see you be funny (laughs) to get (laughs) some sort of cred around this joint uh which i guess is which i guess makes sense and is fine um but yeah so you know it was a, a a clicky place for a real long time and and when i you know, took over as AD, I, I think it had become less clicky. And, and I hope that in being AD, I made it even less clicky, but I, I don't know. I mean, there's also a bunch of stuff that once an institution starts, it's like, there's things you can't undo. Mm-hmm. Even if you institutionally undo them, they're not culturally undone. Yeah. It like takes, it's that delightful trickle down effect. It is delightful. Isn't it delightful? I, You know, I'm having a blast with it. So you missed, Ryan, you missed a bunch of funny shows. You missed great classes. You missed, like, a really wonderful group of performers. And you missed, like, at the same time, being in your head about both how good you are as a comedian and how 
cool you are as a person. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so, so you missed some good and some bad for sure. Yeah, I feel like I um, decided to venture into comedy in such a strange time called um, pandemic. And so, yeah, I just, any kind of like actual in-person community ideal of comedy seems so foreign to me at this current moment in my life. Sure. So this is, so you weren't doing any comedy stuff at all before March of 2020? Basically, I, so I grew up doing theater. Um, I still do musical theater. It's still kind of like where I... It's who you are. It's who I am. Um, But I was always like, I mean, I was always quite funny. And there's kind of this like double-edged sword from the world of like, well, every time someone tells you no, you have to persevere and like, like know who you are kind of space where it created in me just kind of this bullheadedness where I didn't see any of my other talents as like viable. Um, I was just kind of really, really focused on doing just one thing and uh, ended with like a, a pretty big burnout. And then when I, so I went back to Oregon to just kind of reassess and recalibrate for a bit and had literally come back January of 2020 did one open this mics. is my year yeah i was like i'm ready i had written something i did one stand-up night like open mic felt great about it and then was locked inside and then the next thing i did was that delightful sketch class with michael at the squirrel theater check them out they're really lovely that's, that's me so yeah so i'm kind of in the in an interesting spot uh <laughs> with the comedy of it all but um i think it's helpful I think I've had time to just kind of adjust my own comedic voice the way I want it to be without being around a bunch of people that make me want to be like them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, this is very interesting. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> cool. But yeah, I, I took intro to sketch with Michael, had a blast. That's true. That's true. We, um, we had a great time. Um, fun group. Good sketches. Learned a little bit about game. Uh, lots of laughs. Yeah, yeah, lots of laughs for sure. Um, yeah, I think that that's interesting. This point you bring up, Brian, of you know feeling burnt out because you're so like hyper focused on one thing. I think one of the good things about doing comedy is that it feels like such a broad category mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think being a musical performer quite is. You know, I mean, I guess there's still like a lot of disciplines within being a musical theater performer, but in comedy, it's like improv, sketch, writing, characters, shooting video, editing. Like, there's so many different types of things you can do and um, focus on in a way that you can, when you are feeling burnout approach, you can kind of pivot to something that feels different and that keeps you alive. Yeah. I I talk about this all the time, but I was literally listening to a podcast that had um, Alaska Thunderfuck on it. And she was talking about, um, they're like, wow, Alaska, you do like a little bit of everything. And she was like, yeah, I looked around one day and saw that like drag queens and comedians are really the only 
artistic performer endeavor where you can do it all and there's not like a no one blinks an eye about it and I don't know whether or not that's a hundred percent true but it definitely was the start of me opening my eyes and being like just because I'm this doesn't mean I'm not that and like full humans do a lot of things yeah I mean, there's very few dramatic actors where people are like, yeah, he makes all his own shit. <laughs> right. He, does, I was... he makes all the dramas himself. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. Just Daniel Day-Lewis, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he has not written a stitch. He hasn't <laughs> written one word down on paper one time. I still think it's funny that he would write letters and sign them as Abraham Lincoln. Like, I love acting. I think that's bonkers. Ugh, it's just, I mean, I guess whatever works for you, but Jesus Christ, like, how many hours are there in a day? Uh, not enough for him. Yeah, no. Uh, Michael, I have watched your um, I Don't Want No Drama video quite a bit this, this Pride Month. Uh-huh. And cool. Into? <laughs> into it. Were you always, like, writing and creating, like, queer-forward comedy, or was that something that was kind of, like taboo i guess i guess i sort of have been um one of the first sketches i wrote like when i moved to new york was like a like a construction site sketch where everyone was gay and that it was weird the unusual thing was that a straight person had arrived at the construction site to work And so it was just like a, just a truly like as simple, uh, like as simple as oxygen, like just a mapping game of, um, you know, all the things people say, like say to gay people and think like it's normal. Well, we're going to do that, but with straight people, you know, oh, I, that's okay. Yeah. Some of my friends are straight. My dad, for example, straight. <laughs> so he's cool. So that kind of thing. And then, yeah, once I started doing characters, for sure, I mean, (laughs) when I joined a sketch group, like, yeah, queerness was certainly a part of it, especially because, like, I was the only queer person on either of the indie sketch groups I was in, so I felt the need to, like, give our shows flavors that no one else would lend to it. A guy who was tagging our shows... (laughs) once after a show was like you have like a really like like definitive like collection of different gay characters like it's really there's a lot of variety there it's like yeah you wouldn't believe it but we are not a monolith it turns out we're a whole bunch of different types of freaks we're all one twink yeah we're all one twink our name is kyle with eight y's And we just want a vodka soda. That's it. I just want a vodka soda. We just soda. want a vodka soda. Oh, God. What a dream. <laughs> to, be, to be one twink named Kyle with a vodka soda. We all are that. So, yeah. Um, thank you for liking No Drama. Um, I uh, am very happy with that piece. I will say it's one of the pieces that, like, has the least amount of, like, cra- like writing craft in it because it is nearly a recreation of something I actually observed. Well, you know, most of the time, that's what I wrote down. (laughs) Great. 
I think it's a good way. I think it's a good process. No, I love it. I think it's, uh, it is how I feel about pride every month. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's my fave. Uh, so Michael, I have, I have to ask about school of rock. Um, okay. Because a, it's a perfect film. B, I love the MTV article I just read about you, uh, about how you just like casually were like Mary Sugarman found you. Where, like, my experience with Mary Sugarman is her being very stern from behind a table. <laughs> my gosh. Night and day. Night right. and day. Night and day. So how was Broadway? You know, Broadway was really cool. Broadway was great. I think it's probably the best job I ever had. Um, yeah, it was. it was really fun, and the people were amazing, and, uh... You know, I gotta say, like, going on as Dewey twice probably is, like, one of the proudest achievements I've ever had because it was so hard getting there. So, yeah, I loved it. It was it was certainly a, a thing I fell ass backwards into, but, um, yeah, it was, it was great. Running in my mind all the time is Jack Black saying, Cause I'm sexy and chubby. I love to eat. Like the way, <laughs> the way that School of Rock still holds up in my mind is incredible. Um, I was not in town for the musical, but to me, it seems like a like a no brainer connection. Just from like when I met you to being like, oh yeah, he was in School of Rock. That makes sense. Whereas it sounds like for you, you were like, what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I guess part of it was like, I found out that this show was casting and I, you know, was like, well, there's not a ton of people out there who look like me and are funny and can sing. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know, I think I might have a shot at this. Like, I never got seen for a Book of Mormon. I never got seen for that, like, Josh Gad part, which I was shocked by because truly, they came to UCB and asked for every damn person who couldn't sing of every size. And I was like, what are y'all doing? I have got the pipes and I'm right here. And look at me. I can do this. You're standing in the back with a beret and a cigarette in hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm standing in the back with a short sleeved white button down and a short black tie and horn rimmed glasses. You fucks. (laughs) I'm dressed. So yeah, once the school of rock thing came along, I was like, well, I gotta try this one, especially if they're asking me. And, um, so yeah. So I learned my songs and I did my stuff and and performed in like the biggest theater that exists. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. 1400 seats. That's insane. Yeah, super cool. Super <laughs> cool. Maybe 1300. I'll give you 14. You can take an extra. Mm, I think it's I think Winter Garden is 1300. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, that's so many people. I mean, I did that show like I don't know, 400 sometimes. So we performed it in front of just thousands and thousands of people, um, which was really cool. I mean, sometimes we did it five in a weekend. Yeah, we used to have five show weekends. It was bananas. Gross. Uh, gross. It was, you know what? It was gross. That's gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and with kids, gross. Oh, those kids. I'm sure they were all very talented and inspiring and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I think they were a dizzying mix of those of all of those qualities. They certainly, I mean, just it's bananas how talented 
truly anyone who can pick up an instrument and play like hats off to you just in the little guitar I learned was so hard for me. And I just am amazed that anyone can do anything like that at all. Let alone be nine. (laughs) Yeah. Let alone be nine and just wail on guitar or bass or drums or whatever. I'm like, that is, that's cool. I remember being fresh to the city, ready to audition without my union card, just sitting there waiting and being like, this will be my turn. And then the Matildas walked in and because they were all union, I got to watch eight-year-olds go. <laughs> I was like, oh. cool, 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 cool. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Cool, cool, cool. I love my life. I love my choices. <laughs> oh, cool. Is anything casting a, 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 a normal adult human-sized person? No, zero. Okay, zero. great, great, great. 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 Well, and as I uh, am blessed with uh, young-looking features, all I learned in college was basically how to play a 12-year-old. So when I got to (laughs) New York and there were legitimate 12-year-olds, I said, oh, no, I don't have a gig. Yeah, no, yeah. All that stuff I learned how to do uh, was exactly for that and that only. And that's all I got. So now I'm doing comedy. Uh (laughs) I think you're doing the right thing. Thanks, babe. (laughs) (laughs) so michael you are very warm welcoming i thought an incredible teacher who just kind of met met everybody at where they were and really made it feel like i could bring whatever i found funny into class and we would work on it from there and i just have to know why are you like this Hey there! Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Why are you like this? <laughs> um, uh, well, A, that's so nice and I really appreciate you saying that because that is certainly the environment that I hope to cultivate in my classes. So it, it's nice that at least it, some people are feeling that way. Um, why am I like this? Hmm. Um, I've thought about this ever since I was asked to do this show. I think my ultimate answer is that I love Superman and sketch comedy and I'm gay. There you go. Trifecta. (laughs) I used to have a blog called So I Like Superman. And the tagline was comic books, gay sex, com- or sketch comedy, and gay sex, or as I like to call it, the Holy Trinity. And I have to say, it kind of holds up. <laughs> it is kind of my Holy Trinity. <laughs> I really like sketch. I really mm-hmm. like Superman. I really like gayness. God, I love being gay. It's my favorite thing about me. It is so fun, right? I guess sometimes it's terrible, but I would say most of the time it's like so above and beyond better than what poor, sweet, straight people go through that I don't know. I would choose it. Everyone, I would choose it. Like, 
It's not a choice. It's like, bitch, I would choose it down every yeah, I, every day. time. Every time. Clearly, they haven't had good gay sex. <sighs> Clearly. I am speaking from being out as of 10 years ago. So if anybody for some reason has found this podcast and you are freaking out about it in your room, know that I am your elder and you should listen to me. <laughs> I came out slightly longer than 10 years ago, if it can be believed, everyone. So... Yes, you're 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 actually listening to two elders. These are two gay elders telling you it's the best. Like I wouldn't. There are bad things, sure. There's bad things about every sort of identity and who you are and what have you. But I've just taken to texting any of my gay friends this month, like, "Hey, glad you're gay," because it's like <laughs> you get to create your own rules, and that's freeing and cool. Yeah, and I think that's what I've been finding as I am venturing into comedy that I also really identify with. So I think like being queer and comedy definitely go hand in hand because you have to be kind of outlandish and bold in either platform. That's for sure. I mean, it's becoming a little bit of a crowded field. If you want to know the truth, I'm always like another gay, funny person. Can we stop cranking these people out, please? This is how Michael takes over my podcast. When I was <laughs> when I was coming up, there were no no gay people anywhere, and now it's like there's like all like all gay shows and all gay teams and all. I mean, it's it's insane, and just seeing those people become like household names has been kind of incredible. And then, you know, Superman, queer icon. Yeah, super Superman is not queer I, I he scratches a different itch in me that has nothing to do with my queerness weirdly oh so it's not the fact that he's like a very strong tall man it is not of the fact that he's a very strong like muscle man and huh. i understand that you would th- everyone on earth has thought that and that's a reasonable thing to think um but i don't identify with superman in that way i think i ad- identify with him in the way that like religious people identify with Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like where he's just like a model of goodness. Uh and like something to aspire to be. Yeah, he's definitely like of the superhero ideals. Like he's he's never like anti-hero. He's very like <laughs> idyllic hero yeah he's the proto yeah i mean he is the the ultimate force for good and i think that <laughs> i don't know especially in the past few years forces for good have been severely underrated and undervalued and yeah i think we could use more of it yeah i think it's nice that i mean we're not like we're not going to get a gritty superman take you know like i, it, I mean there are gritty superman takes and i think they are hot garbage <laughs> uh i am not into a gritty superman take uh and i i'm hoping that we are kind of you know the pendulum is is shifting more towards the light 
Um, the new show Superman and Lois is quite good, by the way. Oh, good. Good for Lois. I have to say, quick shout out to the C-dubs. C-W. What a, what a station. Let me tell you. What a what station. A, what a formative station for so much of my life. <laughs> just, it's just superheroes and horny teens. And sometimes they're the same person. And that's where you get Michael, right there in the middle. Just that's it. Superhero <laughs> horny teen. It's true. I am fascinated with this like superhero queer comedy realm that you like started. Like, tell me about your blog. How was your blog? My blog. I mean, you know, I did it in like I started in. Oh my god, you're. I'm gonna puke just saying this. To that, like 2005, and then like in the year of 2006, I blogged. I did a blog post every day. So 365 blog posts. Um, I would review comic books. I would write essays about growing up. I would write essays about being single and gay in New York. Um, I would write <laughs> about Superman. Uh, sometimes all of those things would kind of meld together into a piece. Um, but it was just like a place for me to feel accountable for writing it was certainly like a little bit of a like financial slow period for me so i wasn't like taking ucb classes left and right because famously those were not cheap expensive yes um so one way for me to um be accountable was to have this public place where people expected new writing from me and um it was really fun. I made massive, stupid mistakes as well. And um, I don't know. I think I learned a lot. You were the original vulture. <laughs> yeah, I was the original vulture. It's so nice that I've paved the way for uh, <laughs> the for someone to then monetize uh, what I've done in any discernible way. Yeah. It's great to be the first. I do it for free and I struggle and then someone finds a way to uh, make that make money, which is what a blessing. Ain't that ain't that capitalism. Yeah. So you do UCB. You're the AD. Yep. You go on Broadway. You have your time. Yep. What brought about starting the squirrel? Um. Well, squirrel came about because <laughs> the UCB theater in New York closed permanently and um it just became clear that someone needed to ensure that there was some kind of meeting place for this community that found themselves orphaned and um so I sort of floated the idea to Corinne Wells and then we brought on Lou Gonzalez and then we started talking to Patrick Keene and Maritza Montanez and Alex Songsha and the six of us kind of vibed with each other and, um, you know, came up with this idea to have that place and like be that place for people while also addressing some of these structural issues that had, I think, plagued the institution of UCB for years 
and try at least to correct them. I, yeah, I mean, I applaud y'all for coming together and creating a space. I know that it's not an easy endeavor ever. No, it's so hard and crazy and we're all doing it for damn free and it is really nuts. (laughs) And I'm hoping at some point, like, we'll have like a structure in place where like people who bust their asses for squirrel get some compensation for it. Um, But at the moment we're only making money teaching, which is fine and fun. I mean, more power to all y'all. That's like an incredible thing to take on. And um, it's not always easy getting a group of creatives to uh, create something like that. And um, no, ma'am, it's, I think it's very admirable, and I Thanks. hope that it has tons of success. I've had a great time, and I've only taken class. Thank you. So, 10 of 10 from Ryan Andrews, sitting in his room. <laughs> Tens across the board. Tens across the board from two sketch classes. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what other sketch class did you take? Uh, I'm currently taking the um, sketch packet. Thursday is my last class. Oh, great. How's it going? Good, good. It's fun. It's uh, interesting to, I don't know, I think I'm really quick to kind of absorb things. And so this this round has been interesting because when I took intro to sketch, I was very like, I literally have no, I, the only reason I signed up for intro to sketch, and this is a true story, I got a random callback for some sketch show in Utah that's being made. And I was like, fierce, that sounds lovely. I know that I am funny. I feel like I can do this. I don't know anything about writing sketch. And they gave me a call back in like 24 hours to make three videos. So it's like me and my roommate uh, and a blonde wig running around my apartment. um, (laughs) A.K.A. heaven. Heaven, the happiest place I've ever been. Um, Trying to just think of sketches we've seen and like quickly distill that into like random. I, I was like, I want to do gay book club. Uh, I want to do some, something. So I made these videos and I was like, okay, there has to be some sort of at least light structure to this that I should learn. So I signed up for your class, um, had a great time. And then cool. this round has been nice just because I feel more secure in my identity as a writer and in the, um, structure of sketch so i feel like when i make decisions that might not go exactly with that like it's intentional cool but yeah it's been yes great. we learn the rules so that we may break them mm, yes and that is society <laughs> that's a society we live in a society <laughs> we live in a society of funny and um at max five page sketches you crazy person <laughs> yeah. true enough oh gosh Well, Michael, as we start to come to the end of our episode, I ask this of all my guests. Do you have any questions for me? I feel like I asked you a ton of questions. Sure. I'm trying to think of if I have any more. Oh, uh, like what's a musical theater part you've played that you love? Uh, I love doing Rocky Horror. uh, Oh, cool. In like literally any any of the roles. Um, It's one of the... I think when I when I did like the show the musical I think it came around 
at a really like important time of my life. Like I just kind of needed to be doing something. But then when you're doing the show, I've never just been like treated like a rock star and the audience treats you like a rock star. It's the coolest feeling I've ever felt in my life. I did a concert version of it once and I played, what's his name? Brad. Oh yes. You know, the, the Barry Bostwick. And that is, was like how I learned the show and saw the show kind of for the first time. I think, I think I was like 21 or something. Um, but yeah, the, that music slaps and that show is really, really, really fun. It's it. Yeah. The music is so fun. It's, strange to explain because like i would get to the part where like dr frankenfurter would be like he sings i'm going home and i'm like legitimately crying on stage dressed (laughs) like a crazy person after just like grinding on my friends for like two hours i'm like what is going on (laughs) it doesn't make sense but i'm emotional uh tense across the board from ryan in his bedroom for rocky horror um Yes, I think that's one of the ones that I will cherish for. I love it for a long time. What was it like feeling like a rock star in School of Rock? Were you just like scared? I was scared for sure. Uh, the first time I went on as Dewey, I was hyper focused on the guitar, and I like kind of. I'm sorry, I fucking nailed the guitar. That's there you go. Sure I did. And my guitar teacher surprised me by being at the show. And I think, truly, I think I saw him and I screamed and went, didn't I do so, so good? Like I, was, I think I was so surprised that I was good. Uh, and it was really, uh, it was really fun. Uh, and then the second show, the guitar was a little less good, but um, I, tight, I I fixed some vocal things that were happening to to me during the first show so i call it a win there you go it ebbs um, and flows it's life man, by i don't know the middle of act one of that second show i did i felt like a rock star yeah i mean the winter garden's huge you're playing rock music with kids yeah and, and like every lead. song ends with like lifting a guitar triumphantly in the air and shit and then just standing in applause for like a minute it is crazy yeah i get i get it i if i could i would be a rock star i think i think it's the best feeling i've ever felt in my life <laughs> yeah uh, unreal i just yeah even better than making someone laugh i it's hard to distill that that feeling for me well michael this has been so lovely what a delight thank you for having me i have loved giggling with you uh where can the children find you and do you have any like parting words um the children can find me on twitter i am michael hartney you can find me on instagram and tiktok as hartney michael because i like to keep people on their toes um you can go to the squirrelnyc.com. Um, I perform every week with Bora Bish on Saturday nights at 7.30. We do an improv show. I co-host Characters Welcome Live every month. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm almost too findable. Actually. You look for him, you'll find him. Yes, it's true. Oh, gosh. Well, I can't say it enough. Thank you so much for being on the pod. Uh, literally... 
check out the squirrel if you are even remotely interested in comedy it's a great time they're great people um and they're doing it for free so if you want to send them a venmo do that too donate uh, to the theater <laughs> go to the squirrel donate <laughs> <laughs> well until next time everyone bye